She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. <laughs> what we're working on with Herzog Foundation these two days with the, I think it's 30 or 35 schools that are here, it's developing a 10-year line of sight, a vision for your school that you're talking to families about. Giving is the fuel that moves us forward. So we have tuition leveraging with giving um, to create the full student experience. Welcome into another edition of Making the Leap. Thanks a lot for downloading the show and checking it out. I think you're going to like this one today if you're a Christian school already in operation. Or maybe, you know, we'd like to talk often to people that are thinking of starting one. Finances are always one of the biggest things. It is one of the biggest to try to figure out how you're going to get your money, where it's going to come from, what are parents going to think. And even established Christian schools, I think, often struggle with how are we going to continue to stay afloat? Absolutely. Where yeah. do the resources come and from? How do we grow? Afloat. Right. How do you grow? I think that's the next piece for a lot. Too. You've been a part of capital campaigns for Christian schools. Yes. Raising funds for expansions and yes. growth—it's—it's it's challenging, um, and it's—it's it's one of the things. The reality is, when we talk about private Christian education out there, it's what the Herzog Foundation is really dedicated to trying to do. And we talked a couple of weeks ago with our colleague Sadie. Yes, Sadie uh, runs all kinds of different trainings, and one of the big focuses, one of the pillars of the Herzog Foundation training programs, is this very notion of donor development and fundraising. And I was talking with, uh, we during that conversation with Sadie, we were talking about somebody who had reached out to me and said, oh my gosh, please talk to some people about what it is to find, you know, how do you grow your donors? Not just the ones that you have that are on board, but how do you expand beyond that to parents or past parents that are already paying for their education, you know, for their child's education? And then how do you, how do you? meld that with your own personal finances. So we're in luck today because uh, here at the foundation, you know, we host a lot of these trainings here. One at of our the hundreds that she was uh, talking about. Yeah. And uh, we've never done this before either. We've never invited one of those coaches right. of those training it's sessions. It's exciting in to before. kind of see just kind of leapfrog into all these new areas. So meet our guest today. Sierra Lohman is one of our coaches. We uh, brought her in uh, from the St. Louis area. You live in Illinois, right, Sierra? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> I do. Thank you. And you are part of our uh, donor development coaching team. Correct. Yeah. How long have you done that now for us? I've been, since Herzog Foundation got started about four years ago, um, they were looking at uh, partners in different domains, right? So marketing and strategic mm -hmm. planning and admissions and enrollment. Um, and we uh, were their development, uh, donor development partner. So it's been about four years. How it's, have you okay. seen this change? Yeah. Because we know when the foundation started, right. there were we were talking about this. Sadie was talking about it. We were kind of begging people to like, come be a know, part of it. Please come help. Yes. You'll like it. It'll be good. And now it's kind of That's changed. exploded. Yeah. Right, right. You've Our, probably seen yeah. it. Yeah. So we've seen, um, we were just talking about that today. We'd, we'd be at trainings, um, you know, with maybe 15 to 20 guests. Mm -hmm. And then I think the one this week, we're 
packed out. I know there's not one seat left. Um, And so I think just as, you know, school leaders um, and faculty understanding what Herzog Foundation is doing and and coming, Mm -hmm. but even, you know, companies or ministries, we're a ministry uh, that works with Christian schools and nonprofit uh, Christian organizations. And so Herzog Foundation um, had really come and observed us um, leading other trainings like this. And uh, Sadie Elliott and mm-hmm. John Elliott came, uh, and our founder, Zach Clark, was leading something down in Tennessee. And he didn't understand what they this was or why they were there, but they were just vetting and watching. Um, and so we were the first uh, domain of training that they invited to be part of Herzog Foundation. So it's been really neat to watch That's, you all. I- I actually think that's really interesting just because you, you, the first group to come in, but yet I think money, finances, that has to be one of the first outside of prayer. I can't think of a different thing that's as important to continue once you have someone interested, whether it's two kids, 10 kids, or 30 kids. You have teacher staff building. You have th- you know you have things sure. you have to figure out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's neat that you kind of got in on that ground floor. That's a good point. But in the way that I think is most necessary. Yeah, no one likes to talk about no. this part of it, but it's a necessary <laughs> part of it, right? And I, I guess I would kind of ask you generally, first of all, what you have found in these four years that you've been coaching and talking with not even new schools, but established schools, what is mm-hmm. the struggle? Because the money part of it is always the ugly part. It's like right. the cost of just tuition generally, never mind raising funds to operate and grow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so we've seen, uh, it's interesting, established Christian schools, let's say you have a 170-year history, but with some broken trust, like different seasons of mm-hmm. fracturing and rebuilding, um, <clears throat> sometimes built like exclusively on tuition, uh, with, you know, kind of higher wealth families that paid full tuition. Uh, and then all of a sudden we're looking to build a new building or we've had broken trust. And so we, we see longstanding schools that did not develop like a giving model, a, a culture of generous giving, a culture of generosity in tandem with their tuition, uh, struggling to now um, – you know, pivot and figure out how do I do, how do we talk to families and alumni families about giving uh, when we'd been exclusively driven uh, as an economic engine by tuition. And then we also see smaller schools, and it's been really sweet to see Herzog Foundation have the mix of, you know, maybe 2,000-person schools or 800-student schools that have been longstanding with these startup schools. Um, The challenge those, of course, would face is uh, how are we trying to you know, develop our curriculum, enroll new students, establish a faculty, and talk to people about giving. And how do we do all that together? So different challenges in different size schools. So even right there, I think that is a concept that for some is difficult to wrap their heads around, the idea of giving plus tuition. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just, I speak from my own personal conversations that I've had with people, and their comment always is, we're already paying tuition and that's hard enough. Mm. And then you have to step aside to the the concept of of giving. So can you talk a little bit more about maybe what what might be just I know we're going to talk more about the, about Herzog and about some of the the coaching pieces, but that right there is probably one of the toughest pieces mm-hmm. that even personally I've had to kind of think through like well I I give to church I give to charitable organizations I'm paying tuition I don't have much more left Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. give yet we are sitting here working in an organization and supporting an organization who is fostering that that notion of giving and 
you can't, I think you have to have both, but I right. wondered if you could speak to that a little bit. That's right. For parents that need maybe a little encouragement or a different yeah. way to maybe look at that idea right. of both. And and so parents and school leaders, the way to think about um, tuition being leveraged with giving is, uh, the first thing I would say is uh, talking with families about a movement of Christian education across the nation to take back the education of our kids, um, talking about um, things like uh, you know, we we want to establish a place for your grandkids to come, you know, sewing mm-hmm. scriptures under the soccer field. <laughs> um, we'd be honored if you'd be part of this, even if, if that's a $75 a month commitment mm-hmm. um, on top of tuition. Will you pray about that? So what you're doing there, and the best place to start is um, if you're a school leader, talking with families of the youngest kids within their first two years of attending the school. Um, if you haven't talked with people about giving within the first couple years, uh, it's it's hard uh, to start then having conversations around giving with families. Um, but even families raising young kids that don't have a whole lot of capacity to understand that this is a movement of Christian education, that we want to prepare a place for your grandchildren as their kids age and even maybe go to a different Christian mm-hmm. high school and then a college. Um, maintaining that conversation and friendship, these folks eventually, I mean, our grade school years are our sweetest years a mm-hmm. lot of times. And you see the fruit of what happened in that Christian school. So what we talk about is you're really trying to raise um, or build 30-year relationships with people. And so even if you're starting in a small place, Mm -hmm. just really um, teaching families how to think about giving to the school, because ultimately you don't want to talk about a gap or we have this margin or, you know, it's our annual fund or operating fund. None of that's very exciting for families. (laughs) But what we're working on with Herzog Foundation these two days with the, I think it's 30 or 35 schools that are here, it's Mm -hmm. um, developing a 10-year line of sight, a vision for your school that you're talking to families about about giving is the fuel that moves us forward. So we have tuition leveraging um, with giving um, to create the full student experience. Tuition might cover 4000 of a $12,000 student experience. You giving would, covers You those. would rather see then, Sierra, a school that is um, based on donor giving as opposed to tuition all day long. So um, that is a healthy donor base is more important than maybe even enrolled tuition payers? Well, it's both and, right? So um, there is a book called Rethinking Sustainability um, by Dr. Alan Pugh, who's also a coach with Herzog Foundation. Mm -hmm. And he teaches the uh, financial planning um, section of of Herzog's trainings. And he says 95% of your student experience should be funded by tuition and just 5% giving. Oh. So oh, that's okay. very different from what from we what have, you would, have mm-hmm, thought. Mm-hmm. But he, what he means is that's a really good bar to try to work toward. If you're, you know, educating students that are from mixed income, low income mm-hmm. families with a discipleship model, it's very hard to get to 95% tuition. But the mm-hmm. two economic drivers are giving and tuition. And I, it really takes a mix of both this to is, make the student experience happen. This is what's changed in the post-COVID era, I'm sure. And I'm sure you've seen it and heard it from other schools. You talked about these legacy Christian schools that have been doing it for years and years and years, and maybe they didn't have a plan. But now what we're seeing is so many people fleeing public school for various reasons. Um, And I won't get into the decision-making, but I will just say the fact is 
Christian schools are really exploding mm-hmm. uh, for all kinds of reasons, but they are. And so now you're talking about multiple groups of people with multiple socioeconomic backgrounds. Right. That changes an operation quickly financially, mm-hmm. doesn't it? That's right. That's right. And different schools have different models. Um, some mm-hmm. Christian schools are pretty much, you know, uh, covenanted um, with mm-hmm. the family, and you have two believing parents and a statement of faith, and it's a it's a discipleship model. Mm-hmm. Um, other Christian schools were starting to see a lot more uh, evangelical models in lower mm-hmm. income regions, um, where the parents know the children will be trained up in the Lord mm-hmm. in Jesus, um, but the parents don't have to be of a faith background, and right. it's more of a discipleship low income Christian school right in the heart of urban areas, and so that's where it really been a neat opportunity to talk to about uh, to non um, families non enrolled families mm-hmm. about giving to the school How as a they, ministry and I'll shut up after this question no, fo- to follow up on that the schools that are taking on a lot of families who maybe don't have the means to pay full freight on tuition doesn't that become uh, I, I hate to use the word burdensome because I know every Christian school has a heart to bring right. in everyone right. but the reality is there's costs associated with that right. and you can't just give it away. Right. So what are you telling people about that in terms of trying to grow yeah. and fundraise right. and operate but help? But also help the kids mm-hmm. that are really one. <laughs> and the same with special education. A mm-hmm. lot of times yeah. these things go hand in hand, lower um, income families, uh, some behavioral health needs, and even you know, not that academic d- learning disabilities or um, physical disabilities would be tied to socioeconomics, but a lot of schools, um, Christian schools are really trying to minister to the least um, as this influx after the pandemic has hit. So what we say is um, you talk with your givers, even, you know, elderly people that believe Christian Mm -hmm. education is the solution Mm -hmm. to change the fabric of our nation. Um, And so there's a why behind that. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking with... um, People about this being a ministry often will say, we're not a business. If we were a Christian business, we would charge full tuition to every student that comes. But we're a ministry, and God Mm. uses his people to move his ministries forward. Um, And so you leverage tuition with giving. And prayerfully, um, people that aren't involved in the school, don't have students in the school, actually become some of your your leadership givers. We see that a lot. That's what Pastor Johnston said to us. <laughs> yes, he, we shared a, he, well, we had a guest on a couple weeks ago that shared a story about uh, just a member of their congregation who came in, saw what was happening in their little school, I think less than 10 kids, you know, just all together. Brand new. Said, well, you know, literally started in this last year and said, well, this is amazing. And turned around and donated the cost to basically cover the staff, like the cost of the staff. And that's the buy-in that you need to have and seeing what it is doing within that community. The entire church is full of senior citizens, Mm -hmm. frankly, who are well beyond kids in school year. But the the young pastor said, we've got to get them to buy in. And as Mm -hmm. soon as they saw it, they started to give. That's right. That's the point. Yeah, I I worked with a school out in um, Greensboro, North Carolina, because we coach nationally and even Mm -hmm. internationally now. Um, but wow. they had, um, they were right in the heart of a of an urban kind of a, a unseen kind of broken uh, community mm-hmm. with all infrastructure had really left that community, uh, and what they were seeing was um, the the wealthier elderly givers. 
Um, we're understanding even the tax um, relief. Like if these mm-hmm. students grow up and they are contributing to society and not draining from mm-hmm. society, they mm-hmm. aren't being institutionalized or mm-hmm. imprisoned. Right. Um, so tax base, um, I forget what that's called. There's a there's a financial curve that okay. you know elderly people start to think about in terms of investing in the hmm. youth because it was actually kind of a small inner city, um, and they were seeing such an impact after the school's ten years um, on the crime rates and court involvement of the wow. teenagers. Um, and so they became their highest investors because mm-hmm. the families are not, you know, they're barely maybe paying 200 a month mm-hmm. in tuition, if that. Right. So it's really leveraged with giving when you're in that kind of model. How does it work with here? So when you come in for a training, I know you're on the coaching end. Mm-hmm. How does it, how is it set up? I have not sat in and or been in in a donor development yeah. training before, what does that look like for the day, the two days that you guys are here and because together? Because we, we have friends that are on boards right. who have reached out right. to us and said, gosh, we'd like to get to mm-hmm. a, a donor development training because we need to understand uh, more. And it's so what would they learn? Yeah. yeah, right. That's a great question. You should sit in on one I, Well, sometime. I have a list of yeah, going Some of, of these different ones. Yeah, how I can. <laughs> yeah, so donor development, we, um, so our ministry, development and leadership coaching, we work with um, Christian school leaders and nonprofit ministry leaders weekly on calls one hour a week. Um, so what we say at the Herzog trainings is it's like a year of coaching on steroids in two days. Okay. We really hit the headlines okay. and condense um, a year of coaching right. into two days. So what happens for the Christian school leaders, sometimes it's a board chair and the head of school. Sometimes it's a faculty member who's learning to do donor development. And we joke about not saying the F word, which I probably shouldn't say on this podcast, but it's fundraising. Fundraising, <laughs> fundraising has a role. It's like chocolate sales, <laughs> trivia nights, mm-hmm. even golf tournaments, because mm-hmm. you're raising funds. Sure. Um, but when you're building relationships, so we call it donor development mm-hmm. boot camp. And right. what it looks like for the two days is um, we we unlearn some things like mm-hmm. saying fundraising yeah. and asking in a first meeting. Um, then we develop that 10-year line of sight and actually build out a plan with each of the schools here. Um, it's not a strategic plan that the board would vote on, but it's a kind of a public um, iteration of your internal planning for donors to invest okay. in. So okay. they, they leave with a full plan that has fundable tactics, like we call them giving driven steps because they, because giving fuels the movement Mm -hmm. forward. Um, And then they learn how to do a first meeting leaders, um, how to connect a first meeting where you don't ask to Mm -hmm. an ask meeting Mm -hmm. um, and how to thank and report after a gift um, before you ask again. So it's a, it's a good, and they develop Mm -hmm. a prospect list and that message um, that I talked about. So And it's full it's a of a lot. lot of information because I while I have not sat in on a specific Herzog training when I was working within that capital campaign, um, this was the information that they used. And so everything that you're saying, <laughs> you're like don't don't say fundraise, you know, right. that kind of thing. And right. you know, making that ask, making that first ask, which was the scariest part and still is. Right. The part I'm I'm not I'm not really a wallflower. I'm not too afraid to say things, but to go to somebody and say, you know, I I would like I'm asking you. I would like right. you to donate this right. much money or give this much money or support us with this much money. That's that's a really hard thing to do. And yeah. then you couple it with all the other responsibilities I think that administrators have. That's sure. That's a lot because that's not in people's wheelhouse right. to I, – I think of it as like the politician thing. You know, a politician has to go and sit down yeah, this, with everybody they know and say, Yeah, it was something – support uh, me? <laughs> someone in politics once said to me that uh, if you're not willing to sit in the living room of a, of a loved one and ask them to give maximum campaign cash um, – 
you don't know, you run. really need to don't understand. Run. Don't run. Right. <laughs> and and that's a that's a tough thing, but people that fundraise professionally have to think mm-hmm. that way, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. So we always joke that no one really grows up thinking, I want to raise money right. when I grow up, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but what happens is the Lord, like even for me, my journey was from a high school English teacher in public mm-hmm. schools to, you know, doing development face-to-face for Christian ministries. Um, And it really is more of ushering God's people Mm -hmm. into what he's already doing. And so that part of that deprogramming and reprogramming, the way we think about this, is um, that we'd be remiss not to invite God's people to be part of what he's doing. And so when you think about it as we don't, and we also say, um, stop using the word needs. We need a gym. We need Mm -hmm. a building. It's really the why behind that. What does that building... What's it going to do? Position you to mm-hmm. do. It's raise up modern day Daniels and Esters in a in a yeah. forever home where there's stability, that kind of thing. Well, and I think about now. I mean, I don't know how often you have been up there yet, but at our at our school, one of the thing, one of the items, I guess, that resulted from the capital campaign, the kind of the phase that we were in, was a field. It's a multi-purpose field, um, so multiple sports will use it. And just driving past it. I, every time I'm like, I love it, I love that. Just oh, because there's kids goodness. out there now, yes. and you know, it's one more available space, but it's the cheerleading, it's the dance group that's out there, it's mm-hmm. the you know the football team, it's the also, you know the baseball team, right. it's the athletics during the day, it's a space for classrooms, like you know, and awesome. just getting to watch that growth and see it come to fruition, I think is a piece of it, which makes me really glad that you know I, I have gone out to say would you help support this? And right. because here's why those communities that those kids are forming out there, that's huge. And of mm-hmm. course there's, you know, classrooms and things like that behind it. But that part alone, I, I think has just been an amazing thing to witness and yeah. to see. And so it, ma- you know, great. kind of brings it back to the, the why behind it. Yeah. Is it, um, the, the thing I've always wondered, Sarah, is when you're starting a school versus you've been at an established school, what's the tougher position? Because mm-hmm. I, I think we talk to a lot of people <laughs> who are just getting started, starting. and so they think to themselves, oh, I'm not going to have to think about fundraising mm-hmm. uh, for Getting a long time. Donated, I've just yeah. got to get kids in here to pay tuition. Right. So I, I, do you think it's better to start immediately thinking, not just starting a school, but the long goal? Building that yeah. giving. What, yeah. do, I think so. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, so one school I'm coaching is a 170-year-old Lutheran school in Texas. Okay. And um, they've never talked to people about giving. They've never. just had a lot of space, part of the Lutheran church, and now they're looking at a capital campaign Uh because it's an obviously a very aged building Mm -hmm. um and so she's like now i feel like we have to start from scratch these families have always come here and we've never talked to them about giving about giving in addition to what they're already giving yeah you would say to people that are new brand new i'm going to open this christian school in our church it really would behoove them to start by thinking in addition to curriculum and who we're hiring and all of that they need to also think about their long-term financial model Right. So, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, absolutely. We would say as you're, you know, developing your faculty, looking at admissions, it may not be the new families you're trying to enroll that you Mm -hmm. talk about yet with this yet, Mm -hmm. but people that are kind of sophisticated givers, um, obviously some of those leadership minded and leadership level givers, they know what it's like to ask for startup capital. A lot of these people Mm -hmm. have taken a chance and built something that never was before. Mm -hmm. um, And they needed to talk to investors in what they were doing. And so Mm -hmm. when you're a visionary head of school and you're starting something, um, even if it is for kind of two parent 
higher income families. You talk with elderly businessmen who have retired and believe that education is a reclamation Hmm. of our nation. And you ask them, would you consider uh, a leadership gift um, to leverage tuition so that we can move forward faster? Okay. We believe we have a response um, to a demand for Christian education right. in our region. We believe we have a solution here. So mm-hmm. I would start talking with some, if you're a new leader of a Christian school, maybe non-tuition paying families at first, but then within okay. the first two years of enrollment, I'd start talking to your families. Even if it's at small levels monthly, you're creating a culture of generosity among your parents and reprogramming that mindset right. to um, really understand that the full student experience and the best way mm-hmm. to do that is tuition is averaging 6000 per family, but the full student experience is closer to 12000 per student. So, I, so can I ask yeah. about the full student experience? Right. I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about, but maybe for a parent who is considering this, well, I'm, you know, I, I would like to move my child from their public education, you know, wherever they are into this. But I know that, I, you know, once we're paying tuition and then we have to do these things on top, what are you... We want those stu- those families to receive the full student experience. Sure, but what is What's that? that? Mean? Yeah. yeah, what does that mean yeah. when you're talking about that for a new parent, Great a new question. family? Yeah, so we know that. Christian school educators are usually earning maybe 70% of the benchmark salary in the public school district in their area. You know, maybe I was it's told closer to 40. Even less. Like yeah. I was told even like when I was talking to, as a, I'll just say a leader in a school and he uh-huh. said, take your, take your salary and cut, cut it, in half. cut it almost in half. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So 50% would be more right. common. 70 to 80% would be generous be for wonderful. the schools that right. have a little more budget. <laughs> so we say your, your teachers are already your, your biggest donors. So the kids mm. are getting this experience mm-hmm. with bright, loving faculty in front mm-hmm. of them that are earning about 50% of what they could be earning. So already there's a part of the student experience that's unfunded. Okay. Um, and so what if we're ever trying to really get to a point where we're compensating our faculty to retra- attract and retain talent, um, we don't want to build have a built-in deficit that we're st- we're just always going to pay our teachers fifty percent of what they could make. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd actually really start like be wise to start working more toward the 70-80% of public school benchmarks. So that's part of that, what some people say gap or margin, but the student experience, what it really is, should cost, is that built-in deficit that teachers are taking. Okay. There's also a piece of like, maybe a church is donating space, but we won't be there forever. Again, we mm-hmm. have a built-in deficit of potentially $7 million because we okay. want to build a school. Go out, so we're right. trying to create a student experience that honors the gifting God put in each kid. Mm-hmm. We want to develop a performing arts program and a speech team. So um, we might be dabbling in some of that, and that's part of the student experience, but we have this 10-year line of sight of where we really want to be. And mm-hmm. so you're talking to families about the what is currently now and where we're ultimately trying to go. Mm-hmm. But the biggest piece of the student experience would be the faculty, faculty. yeah, salaries. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and not to, I don't, I don't mean to take it in a negative place, but I think I just operationally I'm interested in it, and that is where does a school, where have you found the common roadblock is or when they run into a ditch is there a common theme where an operating budget falters or school i mean we've heard of christian schools that have had to close sure and i you know i'm sure not everybody's financially astute or maybe there's sure. a rough part of town or whatever i mean but uh, lots of reasons for yeah. that happening are there right. common uh, fundamentals financially where you see christian schools struggle <sighs> 
Wow. Or is that? I think, you know, um, probably different different um, leaders in this space would say different things. Um, mm-hmm. Being um, resistant to raising tuition is a, is a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. Like after the pandemic, we encourage like it is the time to raise tuition. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean families have to pay it in full. You might have a mm-hmm. variable tuition model. Um, but like colleges are really good about talking about what the average family pays instead mm-hmm. of what full tuition costs. That's a neat right. way to talk to a non-family donor is okay. um, that we, our tuition now is 12000 The typical family pays 6000 Would you consider leveraging that for multiple students with a $30,000 gift? And so that might be a businessman or an elderly mm-hmm. person in the community. So that's where I, we see people go wrong is not raising tuition, not learning how to talk about what the typical family pays while you also talk with givers about leveraging the full what to make full up the difference should. of mm-hmm. what some students are not paying, what right. families are not paying just right. for financial need, things yeah. like that. And we have this okay. inner dialogue of, well, most families can't pay twelve thousand. That's okay. Let them pay the six thousand. But let's start a model of giving um, because some families can pay the twelve thousand. We actually have a major donor panelist that comes and talks at our trainings. That's another piece of the boot camp, mm-hmm. or right. we call them retreats. Mm-hmm. We used to call them boot camps. <laughs> but she said, "I have had my kids in this Christian school, and it's in the Kansas City region um, for years." She said, "Only this year did I realize that some families can't cover tuition." And I said, "Tell me how many you need covered. We will cover that. I mean, wow. these are six and seven figure mm-hmm. givers." And so that's what sometimes school leaders have this storytelling going on that no one can afford this. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to talk about giving. They don't want to raise tuition. Um, but there are families, you know, usually it's about 90% of giving comes from 10% of people. But when mm-hmm. we refuse to talk about this, well, we don't know who those mm-hmm. 90% who they, uh, or those 10% that, yeah. are. Could, could I ask a theological question? Yes. Because <laughs> uh, this has been on my mind. I've always wondered this and I've never asked it. Uh, maybe this is a question for the pastor, but uh, is giving to a Christian school the same as tithing to a church in your point of view? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> and you probably should still ask a pastor. Yeah. I think we will I ask believe a that a tithe is to go to the place you're being spiritually fed, if I understand mm-hmm. Malachi well. Okay. So I think um, wherever you're being fed, even a couple pastors I listen to online, I have felt the Lord convicting me that beyond my tithe to my current, my church, that I should be invest like tithing mm-hmm. uh, to these these men of God that are feeding me spiritually. Okay. And then I think that Christian school would be the offerings part of that, mm-hmm. um, okay. where the okay. Lord is bringing the streets of heaven here to move ministries mm-hmm. forward would be the offering on top of the tithe. I think, mm-hmm. um, but ask some pastors about that. That makes sense. That does. Yeah. So you would it say that is an offering above tithing to your church? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and most yeah. pastors, right. by the way, are going right, right. on. Be like, thank Sarah. you for saying <laughs> that. Yeah. Yes. They were afraid you were going to say, no, nah, you're fine. No, Go ahead and give it to the school. You give wherever the Lord's calling. Because I, I do think there are pe- I know yeah. for a fact, 100%, there are people that say, I'm paying tuition to my children's school. That is, and I understand sometimes that is truly yeah. all you can do. But I also know there are I know 100% we talk about this all the time. There's a lot I could cut out of our Mm -hmm. budget immediately Mm -hmm. to allow for 
some well, more generous giving investments, yeah, right, schools, that I could yeah. be doing. That's Dave Ramsey. That's I mean, right. Give, that's save, right. spend. Give, I mean, save, he's, right. he still says tithe before. Right. Even if you're give, in save, huge right. debt, mm-hmm. still give first and then start paying 100%, off the debt. 100%, because yeah. then you're under covenant. It's like a marriage mm-hmm. covenant. Covenant. Yeah. The Lord still loves you if you're choosing mm-hmm. to live a different way than covenanted and protected mm-hmm. in marriage, but you're not under his protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say the same thing with a tithe. Like, it's the mm-hmm. one area the Lord says to test him hmm. in giving. Church yes. operations, we, we're fascinated by what has still been, in our opinion, uh, a lack of the church broadly, and I mean that across all Huge, faiths, right, right. Uh, embracing partnership with schools. Some are starting them. Many haven't, and we believe should. There's a reticence there for a host of reasons, but I wonder... Uh, do you find church partnerships with Christian schools are helpful financially, or are they yeah. burdensome? Is there a struggle? Is there a what do you find there? Yeah, that's a great question. So you have a couple models, right? So covenanted with a specific church. Mm-hmm. I've seen people like I'm coaching a ministry down in Texas, and it's Salem Lutheran School, and it's part of Salem Lutheran Church, and only students from Salem Lutheran Church come to Salem Lutheran okay. School, and it's part of Salem Lutheran Ministries. Okay, like, that is all one. Okay, um, but then I coach another school that has 30 congregations represented in their student body, and mm-hmm. they are more of a discipleship model. Okay, so I said you have a huge opportunity to talk with the churches about investing in the school. And they Mm -hmm. hadn't done that yet, but more like a ministry partnership. You might be a percentage of the budget. They might do a love offering twice a year. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's opportunities there too. A congregation would certainly be a helpful component to mm -hmm. a a school that's trying to raise regular funds, I would guess. I would think so. Sometimes in one situation we have right now, the Church, uh, all the parishioners give to the church, and it's designated in times to the school, but the school doesn't get to know the donor's name or the amount. Okay. And so then the school can't thank the donor, oh, but the donor doesn't yeah. know that the school doesn't know who gave what. And so there's a huge okay, gap, can... and there's some territory happening. So we're trying to engage yeah. the church on our coaching calls to help them understand that it's not competition. Mm-hmm. It's perceived competition, um, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a neat opportunity for both the church and the school. That's know? interesting. So I, I, didn't, I guess I really hadn't thought about not knowing who that donor is in order to thank them because that's, that's mm-hmm. and I understand there are people I've come across them who don't want any, rec- you know, they don't want any acknowledgement, but. And some people want a cornerstone, <laughs> yeah. right? They want yeah, their I, name up there. And, and I, 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 I get yeah. I get that too, although, you right, know, I mean, right. everyone's got Everybody's an opinion different. on it. And, mm-hmm. Right, right. That's yeah, we, a good question. <laughs> we do talk a lot about that. People that want their name etched in marble or, or those that don't want anybody to know their school got the gift. That's right. Maybe I had one won. nice donor. He said, if it would help you to use my name, because mm-hmm. he was well-loved and known, okay. um, please go ahead. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I don't need to be right. named on anything. You know, um, it's funny too. I run into situations, I have run into this before, where you're about to reach out to somebody or, you know, you're thinking you're going to, and I've been told, don't, don't, don't contact that person. And there's, Mm -hmm. I think what are considered some valid reasons on the, on the end of the person telling me not to go ahead and contact that person. It's a Christian school. It might offend. It might do this. It Mm -hmm. might do that. Do you talk about that much about who to approach and who to not approach? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was kind of taken aback to be told, like, that's probably be careful if you do that or be careful if you reach that person. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I interesting. You know, like I hadn't considered that before. Yeah, it's hard to go to a secular business and say, give to this Christian school. Go to the Christian school, right, Right. where I instead was – I wouldn't say guided, but it was heavily <laughs> suggested. Okay. Do this route first before you go that route. I just wondered if you talked about that at all. Yeah. So we talk a lot about this being very much Holy Spirit level 
Holy mm-hmm. Spirit led work. Mm-hmm. So we would encourage each, if you are a school leader, uh, to develop about a, a list of 200 names and it's prayerful work. I always ask the Lord, show me who mm-hmm. we need to be talking to. And the currency you're after is influence and affluence and time mm-hmm. um, and trust. So mm-hmm. um, really the affluence is just a piece of this. And so mm-hmm. sometimes the Lord will show you a name of someone you know doesn't have much capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my case, Little Miss Jeannie, um, who had l- truly nothing. She lived in a trailer <laughs> and was elderly. But she connected us with our first $100,000 gift, and she wow. didn't even mean to, but the Lord <laughs> knew. He kept saying, go mm-hmm. talk to Miss Jeannie. Uh-oh. So I would say as you're developing a list, it, w- it takes about 200 people to fuel a, a plan under $7 million. Um, and usually 80% of giving comes from about 20% of people, but you want the 200 because that creates a lot of momentum. So you start with kind of a wide net, unless the Lord's saying, like, that was a person in the flesh saying right. I wouldn't talk to them. That's unless yeah. the, I've had some people that were like truly, we call it green list. They have a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. Green means go. And I was going to call these four that day. And the Lord was like, I don't have them for you. I don't want you to call any of them. Mm-hmm. And some things came out later where there was some malfeasance and some mm-hmm. reputation repair mm-hmm. that needed to be had, and we weren't to do anything with them. So if the mm-hmm. Lord puts a spirit stop, otherwise I would say ask him and right. then develop a list of about 200. Mm-hmm. And then you never know. You can't say the right thing to the wrong person. You can't say <laughs> the wrong thing to the right person. And mm-hmm. even as you're asking for a significant mm-hmm. gift, one of my favorite lines is, I don't know who the Lord's going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know he's going to use someone because mm-hmm. he uses his people. And we're right. praying people make decisions at the half a million dollar level because we know that's what it's going to take. Wow. I don't know who you know that we should know. I don't know if you're <laughs> someone I should be talking to. That's usually the way we'll approach like higher capacity folks that might have an interest in Christian schools. Sierra, do schools, uh, ours for instance, does an annual capital campaign mm-hmm. to hit this certain amount that they need to build the thing that they want to build. Mm-hmm. Th- that's different than a sustained... Operational costs? Well, but maybe? just a, sens- a sustained plan for giving, right? Oh, that's, yeah. That's different. So I, I guess see. I'm just saying I see. Uh, okay. functionally, the you, you said a fundraiser, uh, bake sales and, and big galas or uh, whatever. Yeah, transactional tr- fundraising, mm-hmm. right? Is that... Is that different? different. Is that oh, effective? Do great you question, Chris? You know, yeah. So um, we would say this is what everyone's doing here at Boot Camp mm-hmm. at Herzog Foundation <laughs> this week is um, every school is in a capital campaign or is in a campaign. They just don't know it. They might mm-hmm. be in an endowment campaign. They're trying to raise sustainable funding. They might be in a capital campaign or capital project. Um, and even annual giving is is a campaign of sorts. So what we would encourage you to do is think about that ten year line of sight um, with usually three, no more than four strategic priorities that you're always working on now and in 10 years. We'll mm-hmm. be forming faith. We'll be, you know, kind of raising up um, leaders, mm-hmm. uh, servant leaders, right. whatever. Um, and so what we would encourage is all of the ways of giving, the galas, um, the um, capital project that we're working on, those are just tributaries feeding the same stream. It's a 10-year plan. Okay. And so that way, and then also the capital campaign, anytime, it's not really about that new gym. It's really about drawing on the giftedness God put into certain kids, giving Mm -hmm. them a space to develop their gifting, the why behind that, Mm -hmm. right? So you still have a why behind it in your 10-year plan, but our near-term focus is on this capital project. Mm -hmm. And the more you can align everything you're doing, capital projects, the gala, and you're always talking about our long-term plan driven by three strategic priorities, our near-term focus is 
whatever the project is. Mm -hmm. And that way, because to donors, especially sophisticated folks, it feels like, oh, here we go again. Now they need a roof. Now they need a gym. It's another project. And it feels very splintered instead of alignment. We're just moving the plan. Mm -hmm. Fuel is... Yeah, because you, know, giving you, well, the could have, you could have very wealthy people mm-hmm. who feel like, good grief again, right? Yeah, I mean, no you're, you're knocking again. Yeah. I just gave or you, you have a million dollars. Or right. you have the family that's like, I feel like I'm doing all I can, and now it's one more thing. So that is an thing. error that's that a true. school could make mm-hmm. if, you're, right. if you constantly sound like you're knock, knock, knock. Right. Could we have another hundred million? What a grand to right. build this or add that. Right. You don't want to be that. Yeah, not no. And so not everybody's ready for like a multi-year giving decision. But right. if you have a family um, that does have some capacity, rather than talking to them every project at a time, you might talk about a half a million dollar multi-year commitment. And these would be our near-term focus projects. And then leave and them alone. And you do that with a certain group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like do it once Exactly. And, be and done. then you just yeah. let them be. And what's yeah. beautiful is a lot of times the folks that make a long multi-year commitment still give, They'll you give, know, right. at the end of the year to your campaign and that kind of thing. That's, but, I, I can see that because I, I know, I do know that when we're, when we're veering off and, and it was, nece- it, it feels necessary. We know it's necessary when we're working on a capital campaign that's going to take three to four years to mm-hmm. um, kind of manifest. Well, then over here, uh, the fund that's being normally collected for tuition assistance is depleting and now it's mm-hmm. going here and mm-hmm. you're trying to bring Talk it all, to all together. It's all the yeah. right. Exactly. That's hard. And it's right. hard for people to understand. I, I think sometimes it's hard. I'm in, those meetings I've been in them and I hear it. And even then I'm kind of like, Oh goodness. Yeah. What does it matter? Aren't we all doing like, isn't it yeah. all for one thing? But <laughs> logistically we need this money. You know, I, right. there's a lot of uh, nuance to it and oh, vision sure. that I don't understand. You have to have vision. Yes. Yeah. That's what you're saying. That's right. That's what you learn at these trainings. That by the is way. what you got. <laughs> vision. And, and obviously people uh, couldn't make this one that you're here for, but mm-hmm. you do these all over the country with the foundation. That's right. Don't you? You yeah. We, I think we have eight this year. Um, develop donor development. Donor development. So still time to go to HerzogFoundation.com and look for the donor development training. That and are throughout the country. They're the, not just here. If you mm-hmm. can travel to one, remember the deal is with the foundation is if you can travel to one. If you get yourself there. We cover everything. Yep, absolutely. The foundation covers everything. That's Isn't that cool? wonderful. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, the, and if you come to the one in Kansas City, this is such beautiful headquarters. <laughs> but I know that we, you know, if it's too far to travel, um, we really do try to be in several population centers across the country, right? Herzog Foundation Absolutely. Um, throughout the year. So this well, has I been great. Really appreciate you yeah. sharing you. your time and your just your, I, I guess I would say your wisdom and yes. ask, answering some of the the tougher questions that I think people have. And um, I'm sure we'll be in touch going forward because so. I would love to have more of these conversations. And we'll put some more information in mm-hmm. the show notes about maybe if people would like to reach you or sure. find out more about training. Absolutely. Sierra. Great to meet you in person. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Yes. To meet you. And that will do it for this week's edition of Making the Leap. Thanks a lot for checking it out, and we'll see you next time right here. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.